Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, you're listening to the Five Minute Talk Show with Phil Iazetta. We're bringing you today's best comedy and entertainment personalities. Now, your host, Phil Iazetta. Joining us on the Five Minute Talk Show hotline is a guy. Well, I've I've been following this guy for years. I mean, all over the place. Early on, his stand-up amazing. You've seen him on Teen Wolf, Showtime, the special More Than Loud. It's something, you know, Orny, when my parents come to me and say, do you know Orny Adams? <laughs> it was just, it blew my mind. Orny Adams joining us on the hotline. Orny, are, are you amazed at the success of the Showtime special? You know, it's funny because uh, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that, to be honest. Uh, I, I'm excited by the way it came out. I, I wish more people would see it, if that makes sense. Hold on a second. We may have to. Uh... Is there a fire? <laughs> That's the, the antiquated weekly test on, uh, on televisions. I don't know why we do it anymore. <laughs> I, I'm, 48 years has never been an emergency. That's been through the, 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 the TV. <laughs> well, I understand what you're saying about the Showtime special. Back to that. But I, I think watching it from a neutral perspective, I think everything you could possibly want on it was there. I mean, the material was great. The audience seemed into it. The reason I say, are you amazed by the success of it, is when my parents, who are well into their 60s, come to me and ask if I know you, it's just, wow, that thing, it's just amazing, the reach of Showtime. I, I, I agree. It, it's, it's done unbelievable things for uh, you know, reaching new people like your parents. And, and I'm certainly uh, very happy by that. <laughs> well, you know, 48 years, you wait for my folks to finally say, hey, good job, Orny. That's what we live for. Aside from that, though, May 10th to the 12th, you're part of this huge festival. I'm excited for this because this reminds me of the way festivals used to be. But then you mm -hmm. throw in music. I mean, I'm going to just give people the lineup. KaboomTexas.com is the website. The night that you're on, which is May 12th, Sunday night, not a better ticket in town. Dimitri Martin, Whitney Cummings, and Orny Adams. I mean, to be part of something like that, you got to be very happy in a place like AT&T Stadium. I, I think it's unbelievable. And, you know, if you just take that lineup, like that's, that's uh, take me out of the equation. It's, it's really good booking because we're all three of us are so different. Dimitri, so funny, so different than me. And Whitney, I mean, again, just super, super funny. I mean, that's a really good lineup. The mistake a lot of uh, bookers make is they have too much homogeny, too much of the, the same. So that's a great day for comedy. Well, it's, it's a great day for comedy. It's a great day for music because I get excited for festivals because I always love seeing comics hang out with musicians. I was lucky enough, as you know, early on, Sirius Satellite Radio was a place you came by all the time in the early days where you saw people like Jim Brewer and Eminem in the same hallway. You know, guys like Dennis Miller. I mean, look at the first night. Dennis Miller, Garfunkel and Oates, Jim Brewer, Chad Daniels. Exactly what you just said. You're bringing audiences from all over every demographic, which is what comic needs to do, Orny. How important is it for people of all walks of life to laugh together these days? 
Oh, I think that that's really the theme of, of my – like, I, I'm not really a theme comic. I don't really have messages. But I don't get up there. I never talk about politics, sports, or religion. I'm not there to divide. I'm there to sort of show how we're more similar than dissimilar through really small things. And that might be why your parents relate, because I'm talking about ceiling fans and, and, and weird customer service experiences, things we all experience, things we're all frustrated by. So we'll walk in. And some people are, are rich, some are poor, some believe this, some believe that, some uh, look a certain way. It doesn't matter. After about 10 minutes, that all just dissipates. It all disappears. We're more common than we realize. We, we have more in common, rather, than we realize. And that's the tragedy of what's going on right now. Like this, the entire world's so divided. And everyone has to pull back and say, hey, we're all the same. We're all kind of human. We all laugh at the same stuff. We all cry at the same stuff. We all have the same desires. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are. And, and that's sort of what I believe comedy needs to do right now. And, and, and music. And the vibe of the festival is so cool. I, I did the one in San Diego, Del Mar. It's just really cool. It's cool. See? I can't wait to be a part of it. Again, for people out there listening, KaboTexas.com, K-A-B-O-O, Texas.com. But you look at this lineup. I mean, are you what, are you getting into town early to see some of these music acts? Because, I mean, the day you're on, you get Sting and Counting Crows and Pitbull. But the day before, it's Leonard Skinner, Kid Rock, Black Eyed Peas. What's, what's the fan Orny, Orny Adams going to go and see aside from the comedy? I'm flying in on Saturday to see Skinner. That's the truth. Excellent. That, uh, that is, and I, and I let the festival know I'm coming to see Skinner. I, 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 I'm so blown away by Leonard Skinner. I, I'm obsessed. I've been watching this video. Now I know there's, you know, there was a tragedy with the, uh, you know, the plane crash. But I've, I, I've been watching this Freebird. They're, they're playing Freebird. It's in London. They're in front of the Rolling Stones. And they blow the Stones away, according to everything I've read. Now, the Stones are my favorite group of all time. I'm diehard. They can't do anything wrong. A lot of my stage movement comes from probably overexposure to Mick Jagger. <laughs> Adoration beyond, beyond, beyond. So all my comedy, I write to music. My specials, I write to classical music. Uh, and that's why I, uh, on all of them, uh, or two of the last two have come out to classical music, uh, Carmen and stuff like that. But my... My stand-up writing, I play with the writing the way Bob Dylan plays with the writing within, within his songs. I'll play, you know, change tenses, and I'll change he's to she's, and, and sort of, I like to play around with the audience. I, I don't like the audience to ever know what I'm thinking, where I'm going, or I, I like to play with them. I like to do misdirects. And then the movements is, is a lot of Rolling Stones. But I came upon this video, and Leonard Skinner. Uh, I'm going, why is the lead singer like pushing the guitarist at the end during the solos forward? What's going on? And so I had to read about it. And it looked like the stage looked like a tongue. Like when I first watched it, I said, they must be playing with the Stones because I see people wearing Stones hats and shirts. And come to find out, they were told very specifically, do not go out on the tongue. Don't. <laughs> Go out on the tongue. And it's an F you. These, these, you know, country bumpkins go out to England, go on the Stones turf, and then walk out on their tongue. Excellent. And 
I guess Mick was going just ape shit backstage from from what I read, but who knows what's really true. Well, I love the Stones, so I'm there with you. I, I still remember the first Stones show I went to. I mean, those guys, and I think Mick was what sixty at the time. So it's just it's it's amazing how how those guys put on an amazing show even at this age. And I want to get back to Skinner for one second before I go back to the Stones because Orny, you have me so happy right now because talking comedy and music, I'm in heaven right now. But w- when you talk about good writing and, and Skinner, Simple Man, perhaps one of the greatest songs of all time. Do you agree? I I agree. Uh, You know, and and these guys, which is sort of different than my comedy, like my comedy is very, you know, structured, and you can tell I'm really going for it. These guys are sort of laid back. But if you watch and read about Skinner, these guys worked nonstop. And when they play a solo it's dead on the same every time, which is different than me. I, I, I sort of like to be jazzy within. Uh, they're not, but these guys worked hard. And if you read like the lyrics to give me, give me three steps and the story behind it, like it resonates because it's real. And I think that's what's lacking in a lot of what we see nowadays. It's, it's, it's fake. It's saccharine. It's not real. It's not, it's, it's, it's life on Instagram instead of like, just speaking from the heart, which I think always will resonate. But is, is the same could be said, though, about comedy, Ornie, and I hate to get too deep, though, but do you think the correlation between music and comedy are always there, but comedy the same way? I mean, guys like you, you don't see it, but we see it as a public. You're constantly working. You're, you're in, what, you're in Phoenix the week before you're in Texas, and it's never the same show when people see Ornie Adams. So, I mean, is that where the respect comes from? musicians and comedians, you think? I think that comedy done right. And I think I really realized this one time when I was opening for Seinfeld and we were playing this huge, huge arena. And it was in Baltimore. I know it was in Baltimore because those shootings were going on at the time. Remember there was like these... The BTK shooter, right? Was that it? Yeah, some kid and some old guy were just taking people out. Yeah. And... I said to, I said to uh, Seinfeld, I said, I'm going to open with this joke. And he said, I don't know if I would do it. And, you know, that means, that, that means now I'm going to do it. Right. And <laughs> it was so well received. And, you know, I, 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 if I remember correctly, I mean, the, the audience was just going nuts for me. I, I'm only doing 20 minutes. It's, it's easy. You're in front of the greatest, uh, in a, an amazingly excited comedy audience. And I thought, uh, and my energy is way up and my movement's way up, you know, and now Jerry walks out. Now, Jerry said to me, what, uh, when I tell this story, it's always misinterpreted and people go, oh, what a dick. But he wasn't. This is, this is a really smart thing that Seinfeld said to me and to this day still resonates. And it didn't bother me at the time. And it, it, it still excites me that he said it to me uh, as I walked off stage. And I'm not saying this to brag, but just to, to set the, the, the picture. I'm the opening act, and I just got a standing ovation, uh, a full on. And I'm walking past Jerry, and I'm thinking, he's going to say, man, wow, whatever it is, right? No. Jerry looked at me. No. <laughs> I disagree. Jerry's was probably upset, wasn't he? No. No? <clears throat> I don't was upset but he said how long you been doing it 
I said, uh, 10 years. That's the first question. Not, man, that was unbelievable. How long have you been doing it? And I said, 10 years. And he looked at me and he said, I was making the same mistakes at 10 years too. Wow. And walked out. And I thought, well, good luck following that. But Jerry does great, destroys, because they're there to see uh, Jerry. And he's got a cadence. And comedy done right is rhythmic. So here's another guy that I sort of emulate at times is Chris Rock. You'll notice I repeat, I repeat, which to me probably goes back to like preachers in the church, which I didn't grow up in. I'm Jewish, but I, I repeat lines and I'll repeat lines to build. I'll repeat lines because I don't think the audience is ready for the punch yet. Somebody isn't paying attention. Like I just like to build the tension using that, that like, uh, you know, in that manner. Right. And that's why comics and musicians always get along. If you notice, the rhythm section always laughs differently. The drummers and the bass guitarists, if they're behind the comedian, you'll see them behind comedians sometimes. Sometimes we do shows and the band is behind us. And they just, they get it. They get it. I, and, I mean, and comics want to be musicians and musicians want to be comics. And it just doesn't, it, it doesn't cross over often. Orning, I am so excited for this festival. Just talking to you and hearing you talk about music and comedy and the crossover, when you get comedy and music together in that kind of environment, the crowds are going to be so great. May 10th to the 12th, KaboomTexas.com. I mean, as I said, Dimitri Martin, Whitney Cummings, and the man, Orny Adams. Back to Jerry, though. You know, I Jerry, to me, is almost comedy royalty, and I hate to put it that way to put anyone on a pedestal, but when you see the guy, he's a consummate professional. People are always respectful of him. He always has respect for the craft. You always see him well-dressed when he has, you know, a Coliseum show or something like that. And for him to say he's a big Orny Adams fan and quoted as saying that, what does that mean to you as a comic? And then a guy like Gary Shandling who, to me, one of the greatest of all time. Mm -hmm. I mean, what does it mean for these guys to be supporters of you and what you do? Well, you know, it's surreal, and it's the, it's, it's the reason I do it. And to me, you know, the, there are comics that are commercial successes that never get sort of kudos. And to me, uh, the equity is the respect. You know, I got close with Robin Williams and people like this that I grew up loving and adoring. And Shanley is one of, was one of the, the greatest, uh, most concise writers. And he became a mentor. And, and after he died, I realized he was a mentor to so many of us. And just such a, such a giver. Such, such a giver. So, yeah, to have these guys, you know, support me, it, it, it's surreal. It's humbling. Because you have to tell yourself every day, you, know, you have to go, I'm the best. You're like a fighter going into the ring. You have to artificially pump yourself up and remind yourself, which I think at times gets confused as comics are insecure. We're all insecure as human beings. But you have to pump yourself up to get up there. You can't, who's supposed, you're supposed to walk out on stage and say, well, I'm not the funniest in the room, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be uh, uh, 36 inches taller than everybody else with a microphone <laughs> and louder. It's, it's such garbage. 
It is. And, and, you know, the fact that you were able to pull through and, and, you know, pull up the bootstraps, because let's be honest, you have, I guess, a carbon copy of yourself running around Hollywood who gets all the big part. And I'm talking about Ken Jeong. I mean, I don't understand. Like, you guys, does it bother you that he's taken all these roles and you're kind of yeah. ass as the other Ken Jeong? Uh, I think you've been reading my, my, my Twitter. <laughs> I follow you guys and I think it's so hilarious. Yeah, I love I love Ken. He's such a beautiful spirit. And we had the opportunity to do a TV show in Montreal last year, gala taping it just just for laughs. And, you know, I, I, I just adore people that are supportive of of comedy and sort of can give it up because there's so much like macho, like I'll never say this guy's funny or I'll never give it to that person. for some reason it gets really competitive and I have a problem with it. So like last week I was at the comedy store doing a show and another comic who is very well known, isn't working at the laugh factory. And I'd left my keys at the laugh factory earlier. So I said, do you mind driving back to laugh? And then we're going to go to the improv and do a show. So I said, do you mind? Can we stop at the laugh factory first and grab my keys and then go to the improv? And he said, sure. He said, what are the, he said, what are the crowds like there? And I said, Oh, they're, they're really good now. They, they, they're, He's, he, I said, I think you'd really like him. I said, are you not working there? And he said, no. So when I ran in to get the keys, I said, where's Jamie? Where's the owner? And I said, hey, you're not working this guy. I go, I recommend him. I think he's, he's good for the club. And he said, does he want to work there? I said, yeah. He said, well, have him, have him call in. So I went out and I've spent two days sort of connecting everybody. And I'm doing that because I think it's healthy for comedy. And I think the problem with comedy is we self-destruct at times. Rather than the comics who are good supporting each other, which is what should happen, it, it gets lost somehow. And I think a healthy comedy environment and community would do wonders. And it might sort of lead to commercial success for comics out there that, that deserve it. And I'm taking myself out of that equation. But there are some really you know them. You know comedy. Yep. You know comedy. Watch serious radio. Watch those channels. See who comes up. There are some unbelievable comics that aren't selling tickets that should. There are so many. And through the years, I mean, you look at guys and, and, you know, I'm so happy you bring this up because there are so many guys, you know, the comedy store, a guy like Brody, Brody Stevens, who we lost. I mean, a guy like that, in my mind, was one of the greatest gifts to comedy because when I first moved out to L.A. Orny, that was the first guy. He was like the comedy ambassador of Los Angeles. He made sure, hey, are you hooked in with this guy? Uh, I heard you were friends with this guy. Do you need his number? You know, this person's out here. How important is that, though, to comedy? I mean, you touched on it briefly, but it can be such a lonely, hard road. You're getting up. Public speaking is is one of the most different difficult things to do in the world. You multiply that by people actually paying to go and see you. How hard is it for comics when they're trying to adjust? How much do they need that? Need what? The support of other comics? Oh, without a doubt, yes. It's everything. It's everything. And that's that's the mistake I made early on. That's the mistake I was making in New York. I had, I had this arrogance that I didn't need other people. That I didn't sort of relate. I've always been a loner and still a loner. I don't have a group. I've never had a group. Uh, I've never had like, you know, if I had to do a podcast with some buddies, I don't, I don't have those buddies. I'm, I'm just, I was a loner in high school. It's just, it's who I am. So I, I chose at the end of the night 
to walk off stage and m- maybe go meet some friends for drinks or go out with a girl. And then I'd go home and work. And I never formed relationships. I do now. And I was never sort of supportive of other comics early on. It's a huge regret of mine. It's a, uh, a huge mistake. In fact, if you listen to, there's a podcast with, uh, God, who, Bert, I know Bert Kreischer burst in, in on the scene. Uh, it's with, uh, why am I blanking on, uh, my, 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 Steve Byrne. Oh, Steve, yes. Steve Byrne had a grudge against me for 15 years. And, uh, and I had no clue. And it had to, it had to do with, uh, I guess he was opening for me and he thought I was cold to him, which, you know, I, I can be at times like before a show, I'm really into my head. Afterwards, I'm, I'm, I'm more free. And we talked about it on his podcast. So that's a regret. I, I think young comics, you know, and, and again, my mistake was I was going for, I, I love that the, the Seinfelds and the Shanlings and these people were taking me in, but really you're going to get more from your, your peers. Your peers are going to help you uh, write jokes. They're going to help you get gigs. They're going to drop your name in meetings. So, yeah, I, I, I've never felt like I got the support of the comedy community that I wish I got, but I didn't give it early on. So now, as, a, as an older person looking back, that's what I would love to see, is comics really support good comedy. Because I think we could control this industry from within. And you wouldn't see things that make you go, oh, is that the best representation of us that's on this streaming channel or network or whatever? Well, that, that's deep because I know a lot of us, I felt that way in radio. And you talk about me feeling almost similar when I was in radio with Sirius early on. You know, you're so focused in on just, hey, you know, you see Martha Stewart here, Eminem there, Howard Stern comes walking down the hall there. You know, you're just concentrating on your own thing and you say things to people that you don't necessarily mean at the time or you don't, you know, give the person time that they deserved. It happens to all of us, Orny. It's just so great that we can see it now when we're both in our 40s. And, you know, we have this new generation that needs it because, I, you know, I'll be damned if I hear another person, another comic committing suicide because they didn't know they were as good as they were. And, and I mean, a guy like Brody, it's a crime that he's not around anymore. Same with Mitch Hedberg. I mean, you know, Greg Giraldo. There's a bunch of guys that you keep thinking through the years. Well, maybe if I talk to him on this day or maybe if I did this differently, but it's just good that we're here now, I guess. If that makes any sense. I I love Brody. And I remember working, we did a a private show together in December. And he was asking me for some advice. And I said, let's let's get together and talk. And to me, and I remember expressing this to Brody, what made him so fantastic. And I beg every comedian to to do this, whatever gets you, whatever in your heart says, or in your your head or heart, or you, ever, every fiber or cell of your body says, I need to get up on stage. Remember that and do that on stage. Brody was so unique and original and true to who Brody was. That's what made him fantastic. So even if he wasn't getting a laugh. So there was a night at the Laugh Factory where I saw comics just slaughtering and then Gaffigan got up there and you know he didn't get the biggest laughs of the night but guess who I couldn't stop thinking about the next day was Gaffigan oh okay okay (laughs) funny (laughs) 
because he was true to himself. And I think that's what's lost sometimes is people go, hey, this gesture is getting a laugh. This phrase is getting a laugh. This topic is getting a laugh. Instead of just being who you are, even if there are gaps in in the laughter. Now, I'm who I am on stage because I'm, I, I, I have a neediness. I, I'm loud because I, I feel like people don't listen to me and big and I and I condense uh, condense everything so it gets more laughs because that's what I what I need in my soul. But that's who I am as a person, and I think that's what comics really need to be. Let me tell you, you are you've mastered it. I mean, you have honed. It's taken you forty eight years, but you found yourself. And I'm telling you, Ornate, you are better than ever right now. I, I put you up there with anyone today working. Check out the Showtime special. You'll see what I mean. More than loud, Orny Adams, May 10th to the 12th. If you want to see him live and in person, if you can make it to Texas, oh boy, is that going to be fun. KabooTexas.com, Dimitri Morton, Whitney Cummings, and Orny Adams. Orny, as always, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. And people in Arizona, is it this weekend you're going to be in Arizona? You know, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm actually, uh, tomorrow night I'll be in Boise, and I'm, I'm playing the Ford Center doing a benefit for leukemia. And yes. then my whole schedule is up on my website. I'm, you know, every week it's, it's someplace else, which I love. But I, I just want to thank you because you've inspired me to be like what came out of me today is because of you. Thanks. Oh, stop it. <laughs> stop. I mean, I, I do a lot of these and it, it really is an honor to talk to somebody that respects and loves comedy at the level you do. And I could just tell by the intonation in your voice. And, you know, I'm not, I don't need to kiss ass, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm thanking you because this, this felt good to talk like this. Oh, Orny, thank you so much. And anytime you want to talk about anything, I'm always here and uh, kill them in Texas. Will you show them what it's all about? Show them what the guys from the East coast who've paid our dues, <laughs> who can move out to the West coast can still hang with the young kids, please. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You've been listening to the 5-Minute Talk Show. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and keep listening at 5MinuteTalkShow.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a 5-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.